Welcome to Side Effects with an A. When effect is normally used, it's a noun. It's already occurred. Effect is a verb meaning action. Action influences outcomes. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. We will provoke you to think differently. Side Effects, where problems are defined, solutions exposed. Welcome to Side Effects. I'm Scott McGowan. And I'm Anne Marie Singleton. How are you, Anne? Doing okay for a Monday morning. Yeah, it is kind of a Monday. It is a Monday morning. So, left my house this morning without my cell phone. You know, I've done that once. It's a, it is a panic. terrible feeling. So, I get in the car and I'm still in the driveway um, thinking I'm going to send this message. Uh, as soon as I get in the office, I got to send this message to everybody. And I, I start to drive and I reach around for my phone just because I want to have it out near me. And it's not there. It's not there. How far away were you? So, uh, not that far, you know, about a half a mile. But then I had to turn around and go back and, you know, get my phone. But it, we're connected. Is that why you were like five minutes late to the meeting this morning? I think it was like 30 seconds. But gotcha. yes, that yeah. would be accurate. So, That's true. Um, actually, drop off on Monday is always hard for, for at school, too. Well, you have a lot to do in the morning. A big line of I know. people. But See, t- I just have to get my rear end up. And out the door. Yeah. And so, but I think you might have had some technology snap this morning. So my wife and I had to drop off her car. That's to be service. So we both drive to the dealership. And uh, I had our dogs with us. So our dogs, historically, when I get out of the car, they'll jump on the window. And then they normally hit the lock button. So then I'm locked out of my car. <laughs> so this strategy was, hey, I'm going to bring my keys with me. So I jump out of the car. I grab my wife's keys. I go to the drop-off box. I fill out the envelope, I drop the envelope in, and I look in my hand, and I've got my wife's keys in my hand. My keys are in this chute <laughs> behind this closed door. <laughs> so then I put my wife's keys in there, and I told I told my wife, I said, touch the door, open the door, don't turn off the car. Oh, my gosh. This is not good news. So, uh, you know, fortunately, uh, and our whole topic today is technology. So right. I was able to drive home. My car was still running without a key. Crazy. It's yeah. crazy. But technology encompasses everything we do nowadays. We don't think about it because it's been incorporated into our everyday lives, but it touches everything. It's, you know what's interesting, too, is in, in, you know a lot of people think it's an invasion of, of privacy. And I think the whole thing that people need to do, I, I love just people that are curious. And when we talk about technology, we've got to be curious because it is coming at us at lightning speed. And we just have to understand it. Right. And technology in, in HR is a really big deal. It's been coming now for a number of years. It may have crept into your workplace, even if you were trying to avoid it. Uh, but we wanted to talk today a little bit about some of the ways that technology is impacting um, HR, the way that you handle employees, the way that you handle benefits, and um, some give you some things to think about in terms of that. So the first thing I wanted to, to talk about is just social HR, right? How are HR people... Um, getting information. How are they networking with each other? And what are they using social media for? Yeah, I think HR, one is, it really depends on your age, right? So this is a generational conversation. I mean, there are younger people in HR that are embracing social media. There are older people, probably my age, in their 50s, that are saying, you know, is this real? Is this going to happen? But there is a lot of movement on social media that, in my opinion, HR should be playing in. 
Right. Because the future workforce is they're there. Well, and if you listen to our podcast regularly, a few, I don't know, maybe five or six podcasts ago, we had uh, a young person, a millennial in here as a guest, Matt McNeil, talking about how he communicates with people and what's important to him and different groups that he's in online, et cetera. And at that time, we also talked about the growth of the millennial workforce and how in just a very short amount of time, they will be the majority of our workforce in just a few years. And so how do we recruit those folks? How do we stay connected with those folks? And it's certainly through social channels. Yeah, and I'm not a social media expert, but um, Dave Holman, who might be one of the smartest guys in marketing I've ever met, who's standing right here in front of me, as we talk about our social media strategy, and you know, you unpack Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Snapchat, just a variety of different social media outlets. Where does an organization stand on how they communicate outwardly? I'm talking from a company perspective. You obviously have another set of issues with your own workforce communicating outward on all those social uh, outlets. But one of the things that uh, that I think is really important to mention is like, especially like on Facebook. So what are you communicating on Facebook? And I think HR has a big opportunity to recruit a future workforce through outlets like Facebook, outlets like Twitter. Or even, I mean, I, I don't even know the application of this for business, but those folks are on Instagram, right? I mean, there's there's an opportunity there for, for some workforces, I believe, in that space. And so I can remember it was just a few years ago in our own work workplace that I couldn't get on Facebook from my desktop. It was a blocked website. And I would venture to say that there's still many employers that have that as a blocked website because they don't want their employees to be surfing the web or doing non-work-related things during the day. However, if you're trying to recruit folks in that space or you're trying to get your message out to people, I think you're going to have to consider opening up those channels. Not only that, if you if, so if you're attracting a workforce through YouTube or through uh, Facebook or Instagram, and then I come to work here. I can't get on. And I can't get on that. Right. Then that's a dilemma. Right. That's a really big problem. And so, I mean, a lot of employers um, and companies are using YouTube for education and engagement. And if you can't get to the YouTube channel while you're here, is that even a thing, a YouTube channel? That's how old I am. Yeah, that is a um, thing. Okay. Then I think it, it's starting to create a real a real disconnect. So, is, your, is your email Marie at AOL.com? <laughs> Yeah, I'm still on dial-up. Are you? Uh, no. Okay. No. But I'll, You've I'm, got mail. I'm going to be. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. Um, I am going to tell you this, though. I have a Gmail account that I don't know how to get to. Isn't that embarrassing? I mean, I have my work email. I still have a Roadrunner email. Um, but I had to have a Gmail when I set up my phone, and I don't remember the password, and I don't know how to use it. And my kids are like, what is wrong with you, Mom? But it, it's just that's not natural for me yet. Yeah. Generationally, I think the young workforce, one is it's the way they communicate. There's another set of social issues in regards to communication. Um, you know, what's interesting, too, what I what I read about was in this age of technology. So whereas systems are talking to systems, what has happened is people have forgotten how to talk to people. So they need this intermediary in between a system and a system. And social media is the same way. It is a dynamic place to play if you're in an organization for recruitment of a workforce. LinkedIn is a great way to talk about your brand, 
white papers, information about uh, your own organization. And obviously, Instagram is just a place to just put fun, interactive uh, uh, pictures. Right. People are interested in that. And I think, you know, our goal today was just to get you thinking about the topic. And I think that we have a lot of opportunity to go a little bit deeper into each of these different types of social media um, in future podcasts, but really just wanted to touch on the fact that HR needs to be in social media. It's not just the marketing department or the intern summer job. Um, it's It's got to be a part of the HR function. You're absolutely right. So, so when you talk about other things that HR, I'm amazed with the number of hats that HR folks wear today. And one of the hats that probably gives them the most fear today is compliance. <laughs> right. So how do I meet those compliance issues? The Affordable Care Act. Uh, we're right now on this exempt and non-exempt uh, strategy and, uh, and the legislation that's packed on top of there and just all the other things that they have coming right towards them. And technology can be a resource to help them. It can. And, and you know, in years past and just as few as seven or ten years ago, Technology wasn't really an option for employers under 500 or 1,000 employees because it was cost prohibitive. The platforms that were out there were large platforms that were very expensive to set up and expensive to set up the feeds between your, your payroll and your carriers. And it just was not something that a smaller employer, most of the employers that we work with in the Ohio space, could afford to pay for. Yeah, and there's a lot of outlets for HR. So there's access technology for variable hours, for COBRA, uh, for a variety of other sources. The important thing for people to understand is having that technology doesn't remove you from the liability <laughs> right. of the legislation. It just assists you in Correct. collecting or aggregating the data. But in the last probably five years, there have been so many entrants, and really in the last two years with the advent of ACA and the reporting of 1094, 1095, there have been so many players that have entered this technology space. Existing players like payroll companies that have now added administration and um, enrollment technology and enrollment firms that have now added some administration. I mean, they're coming out of everywhere. So there was a handful maybe of people that that provided technology for employers in the HR space. Now, if you look at all across the board, there are probably a thousand or more. You don't need all of those folks, but how do you pick the right technology to help you? Because as Scott said, it doesn't take away your liability. So you want to make sure that the information that goes in and comes out is Yeah, correct. and the big question we hear from a lot of employees, what's this going to cost me, right? So what is it going to cost me? And then secondly, is it going to be convenient for me? Because Anne's exactly right. The number of players entering this space is unbelievable uh, because the market's there. Uh, organizations like Zenefits, who said, we're going to solve the problem for HR people. We're going to issue, we're going to have onboarding, we're going to have compliance, we're going to have all these tools and resources for HR to remove all these issues from HR's desk. And guess what? It didn't work. Because there's still, there's an element of people and trust inside of the equation that technology, sometimes, it can't answer. Right. And so the technology itself has functionality, and it, it, it works to some degree. But it, you need that support and the people because you need help with the inputs. You need help building the system. You need help understanding the reports. Which report do I get? I was at a client just last week, and they said, okay, I need a report that gives me all of the email addresses for the people enrolled in medical. 
And I went in, I looked at all the reports that are available, and I can't get it. I've, I've run like 10, 12 reports, and it's not giving me what I need. And so I said, oh, I'll make a call because it's a vendor we work with. I called them, and I said, here's what I need. Actively enrolled in medical, email addresses. No problem, Amory. Report was completed. The client couldn't find it. They asked a question. I could call somebody at the technology solution because I knew them. We could get them what they needed. If you work in a situation where there's no people supporting it, that's a problem. Yeah, I think so for our listeners, too, I think sometimes they have this big begging question. So if all these technology resources are coming towards us uh, and we need it for our business because we just want to wake up every day and make our product better and our people better. So what resources are going to validate, is this the right technology solution for our business? Yeah. And this is something that we tried to help our employers with um, over the past several years. And we would help them. And, you know, what are you doing for payroll? What's your HRMS system? You know, do you have an ERP system that sits on top of it? You know, how do we help all of these talk to each other? And truthfully, we're really, really good in the ERISA space. And we're really, really good with benefits and insurance. Um Technology is not, I mean, it's not what we do professionally. And so we actually partnered with an outside firm that only works in this space. They work just in the technology for HR folks. And when we have a client that's in need of making their current systems talk to each other, making their current systems do what, what they need them to do, or if they're looking for a solution they don't yet have, we use our outside partner to help us get the best solution for them, making sure that we're meeting them on cost, convenience. Is it easy for their workforce to use? Because what we don't want to do is add more burden to them. Well, and I think that organizations too, I mean, one, they're specialists. So that's the only market they play that's in. That's all they do. So we say we're good, smart people effectively managing the entire healthcare dollar, right? Technology is a part of that. We understand that. But HR is just overwhelmed. So BTR, what they do is they sit on the side too. They work with many, many Fortune 500 companies and they look at a variety of different sources. Uh, and they vetted all of this technology, even uh, late entrants, new entrants, and existing entrants. Yeah. The other thing to think about too, just before we, we hop off this technology piece, is the, the carriers out there, so the ancillary carriers, have gotten on this bandwagon as well. And they have figured out that one of the things that helps keep their clients with them and renewing year after year is to bundle their insurance products with a technology piece. And so large carriers out there have partnered with technology firms to bring a bundled solution for enrollment, for ACA, to their clients. So it's coming from every source you And can it might even of. be free. Uh, yeah. At, 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 I mean, they are subsidizing yeah. it down to no cost. And and you just have to ask really good questions. Yeah. The issue, though, is your organization could look like a NASCAR. I mean, you could have 30 different vendors, <laughs> and it can make uh, your job easier, but it can make your workforce like, what in the world's going on? Yeah. One logo after another. Well, and that was... Uh, that was one of the things that I think was really attractive to employers initially, the idea of this private exchange, because it had this really cool technology sitting on top of uh, all the benefits that they currently offered today. And so I think that really raised the awareness in the marketplace, too, that we want that we want that easy user experience for our employees to select their benefits. And then for the information to automatically feed, we have to enter it one time, and then it goes into all of our systems. That's yeah. what people are looking Which, for. Yeah, that's what they want. Right. It's yeah. available. 
Yeah. It just takes some time. It takes a lot of to time to figure it out. So the last thing we want to talk about is um, this whole issue of wearables. So you talk about Fitbit, you talk about Garmin, you talk about the new iWatch, um, and you know you can't watch a television show without seeing that new iWatch commercial, right? So this whole issue of these this wearable technology, which I think is um, really exciting. Yeah, if we were in a live room, we would ask for everybody to raise your hand that owns a wearable. Not that you're wearing it, but if you owned one. And we would probably see most hands go up. Yeah, and I think what's important for employers to understand is, one, we have a lot of clients that, employers that say, look, this is real attractive. I want this. What's important, I think, for everyone to understand is this technology is moving very fast. So to think that you can buy your workforce a Fitbit or a Garmin and it's a two or three year strategy, no. Yeah. It might be a twelve month strategy. Just the the information and the change in this technology is just changing every single day. But it is getting people to move and to do things. I, I find it very when I speak a lot about wearables, I ask people, one is they're all programmed with about ten thousand steps. So most people don't program their wearable. They just right. unpack it out of the box, put on the app, and try to make it to 10,000. What did you put yours at? I just I didn't change it. You it's 10,000. Okay. I no. changed mine to 15, and then my son put his at 20. So then I changed mine to 20, but then I never make my goal, yeah. which is a little sad. I know, because my wife will come up. How many steps you get in today? I'm like, look, I was at work all day. I was behind my desk. I got seven thousand. I got yeah. 12,000. I'm going to tell you a quick little experiment I did with my kids. So when they were in seventh grade, I think we all got our first uh, our first wearable, We like a $100 Fitbit. And um, they were allowed to wear it to school. So they went to school, and they sat in class all day, but they got up and changed classes, and they also had a recess. And they also walked to and from the bus. When they would get home from school at 320, they would already have between 12 and 15,000 steps. When I would get home from work around 6, I might have had 2,500. That is the difference between how much kids move and how much we move during the work day. Yeah, it's a big, I mean, it's one of the biggest problems in our country is we're just not a society that moves. And I think it's very interesting that a, that a something on your wrist intuitively will give you a challenge. It's like the old rubber band it, back it, in, you know, back in the day. You, well, yeah. It's just a reminder. And you can, you can tie that into your friends and your family and you can challenge people. But the idea behind what you said is an employer who's going to be using that as part of their health and wellness strategy probably isn't going to issue this particular wearable and have it be a four or five year strategy. Yeah, I think what's hard for HR to understand is you probably need to meet your workforce where your workforce wants to be. So if I have a Garmin, you have a Fitbit, you have an iWatch, if I buy everybody one brand, it's it, it's not going to fit the workforce. So what technology is out there that is able to embrace all of them? And then also understanding that, I mean, it's going to change. Plus, uh, even some of the studies they're doing on movement of a workforce. I read where there was an earthquake in California. And actually, Fitbit did a study on this city where the earthquake was. And they looked at everyone that had a Fitbit electronically. So now they know where everyone lives, how they're moving. What, it, what does that mean to us socially? Right. Those are the concerns I think HR is looking at, is what does this mean to the workforce? What yeah. what liability does this, does this pose to us? Yeah, and so in, in thinking about wearables, and we're not going to dive deep into this right now, but we're talking about it from 
from a health and wellness perspective. And there's also an entire labor side to what it means to have a wearable. So there's some information out there right now flying around in terms of overtime hours. And if you need to pay people overtime hours, if they're, you know, if they're exempt, but work in an hourly type role. And if people are working at night and you can track that suddenly through technology, what does that mean for you in terms of your payroll? So there's just a lot of implications for technology and HR. Wearables is just one of them, but certainly. Yeah, I'm a big fan of wearables because I personally think that healthcare is an inside job, right? It takes the inside of us to change. And wearables is, quite frankly, it's just a nudge. But I do think that there is a false sense of security from some people. If I get 10,000 steps in, but I eat poorly, right, and I don't look at my diet and I don't look at other issues in my life, I could check the box and say, well, I'm healthy now because I got 10,000 steps. On top of that, even some of the uh, mechanisms inside of that technology. For example, when I go play golf, my wife says my steps don't count because I get a step for walking and then a step for swinging. And I'm not very good, so I hit the ball a lot. <laughs> so she said I get, a, I get like a 50% penalty on my, on my steps. We're going to handicap your steps. Absolutely. There we yeah. go. That's, yeah. that's a good thing. Yes, my son and I got 10,000 steps in the kitchen one night while we were making dinner because we ran in place. Um, and I'm pretty sure that that wasn't the exact type of movement that they were talking about to keep yourself healthy over time. So I think this information, this this sort of technology is just going to grow. For example, Under Armour now will have a patch that we can wear that'll keep our biometrics. It'll keep uh, our steps. So I personally, I wouldn't invest today in the best of the best of wearable technology because it's going to change so quickly. I've got an old Fitbit, right? I wear a Garmin now, and I'm sure donuts of dollars, six months from now, I'm going to see a shiny object. I'm going to invest in something else. Yeah. So the point of bringing that up is if you're a leader of an organization or if you're in HR and think there's one resource out there to change the workforce, it's a bad move. It's a bad investment. Meet your workforce where they are. Embrace the technology that obviously they were willing to embrace. Yes. And again, I'm back to this millennial comment. With so many millennials in the workforce and so many more joining, if you are not looking at wearable technology as a part of what you're doing for health and wellness, it's it's probably a mistake if you're not at least looking at it right now. Well, we want to just thank our listeners for, uh, for listening. We'll put information out on healthierbirthdays.com. Uh, the rule of three, we t- unpack social media. Uh, we'll meet that that uh, topic again with details and experts. We talked about the element of uh, human resources with compliance. We will meet that topic with experts. And then the, the, just this whole evolution of wearables and where that's going to go often in the future. Just stay tuned. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. We love this topic. We love our listeners. And we'll see you next time. Have a great day. Thanks for listening and opening your mind. If you're interested in learning more, you can reach us at scott at healthierbirthdays.com. Or Ann at healthierbirthdays.com. We hope you'll join us next time on on Side Side Effects. Effects.